The following podcast is a proud member of the Blue Collar Roots Network. Find all the shows by visiting bluecollarroots.com. And now, the man who takes the BS out of BS, Bill Spone. Welcome back to another episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. What's our goal to create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians? By helping these two professions work better together. I've been working in HVACR and building performance markets for almost 30 years and noticed a lot of changes over that time. And one of the changes I've always heard a lot about for many years is indoor air quality. Well, today we have as our guest on the show, Jacques Toulon, who's the inventor of the Fubot. So he's created this Internet of Things device, which helps home dwellers and home performance contractors figure out what's going on in the indoor air. He also describes for us his future vision with these different invisible sensors, control systems, and with the goal of trying to get superb indoor air quality. And he sells to both consumers and contractors, so there's a way for both types of people to listen to this podcast to get involved. So let's listen in as Jacques describes his journey and creation of this thing called the Fubot, in which we'll also find out what it's named after. It'll tell us how he's going to try to create an autopilot for healthy indoor air. So let's see what Jacques has to say about this. Interesting concept of indoor air quality. How are you today, Jacques? Hey, I'm doing good, Bill. How about you? Good. I'm doing really good. It's been a long time. We've been friends, business associates for a couple of years now. It's been a while since we've talked about having you on the podcast, and now you're here today. So happy to have you here. Yeah. Thanks for hosting me. You're welcome. So let's get right to it. Give me the big overview, just a few sentences. What is Fubot? What's it designed to do? So Fubot is an IAQ, indoor air quality monitor, which is continuously reading the two major sources of pollution we have indoors with VOCs, volatile organic compounds, so all the chemicals, and the particulate matter with a PM 2.5. And these readings are based on the WHO threshold. We also have a monitoring inside the Fubot for the temperature and humidity. And Fubot is part of the Internet of Things which is kind of a new technology based on using existing sensors, um, what they call it, you know, low-cost sensors, and enhancing them through the data processing, the engineering part of the data we put on top of the sensors. And by doing that, then we have a tool that can empower people with easy reading of what's going on inside your living spaces. That's a very concise definition for a very sophisticated product. You mentioned the WHO, the World Health Organization thresholds. What are some of those levels? And can you talk about sort of your view, your vision for why we need to pay attention to those? We use this threshold to have, you need to have a kind of a scale, and we didn't want to create our own uh, scale for that, but uh, find something that can be worldwide used. And that was the reason why we chose the WHO, where you have basically for the PM 2.5, actually, they don't provide you an instant reading PM 2.5 or VOC threshold, but a longer time exposure to these elements. So if we use the longer time on the real-time basis, we're even protecting more people's health. And for PM 2.5, so it's 25 microgram per cubic meters, which means below that, you're good to happily breathe inside with no danger for your respiratory system. And for the VOCs, it was a little bit more complex because there is not 
a global, what we call the TVOC, total volatile mini compounds uh, threshold per se, but there are a threshold per gases or per main gases. So we had to work around a formula, ended up with a threshold, a current threshold of 300 ppb, so part per billion, below which we consider you're also in a, in a safe environment. How long has this product been available on the market? Hmm. So back to the story of Fubot, we exactly started five years ago. We started from scratch because there were no existing devices that would embed sensors that we could use on a real-time, continuous basis. So it took us around two years to source the sensors, to build the prototype, to test it on the market with the first version of a Fubot, and then to finalize, industrialize, because the goal was to have both a technically viable and robust enough monitoring system and also a device that could be affordable to the average Joe so that anyone could potentially buy that for them. I'm sitting here here at the other side of the conversation, actually looking at the packaging for it. And you spend, I would believe, a lot of time trying to communicate this kind of complex notion where there really isn't so much public awareness on this. So you have to teach at the same time as provide the service. How has that gone? Well, it's going slowly in the sense of it's part of a mission of educating people, raising awareness, but also educating them. Obviously, if you mention to people microgram per cubic meters or PPB or PPM for the different readings, obviously that is not the daily bread. So it's kind of a complex thing where we try, though, to make it simple with a device that has two ways of looking at readings. The first one, like an instant reading on the device itself, you have LEDs. And the LED signals will tell you whether it's really good, great, or average, or bad. So that when you just cross the room where you have a full butt, you instantly know if there's something going on, something wrong going on. And then the second level of reading would be on the app and also on the web portal. But anyway, it's still... It is a complex, indoor air quality is a complex topic for both in terms of technology, in terms of engineering sensors, but also in terms of understanding for the people. But more and more, we see really people getting into this understanding and awareness of, yes, I do take care of what I eat, I do take care of what I drink, and I should also take care of what I'm breathing in. Speaking of breathing, we talked before this recording, we talked about some of the wildfires in California and how that's become a trigger for public awareness. Can you describe how that sort of environmental situation has caused a different, maybe a change in the way you're thinking? Yes, it was actually, we're learning, continuously learning about that. And we see the changes where basically before the wildfires, we were, I would say, selling and deploying the fullbots among kind of a niche segment of people already had awareness, were maybe already fearing or taking that indoor air quality into account in the daily life. So the rest, majority of the people would say then, okay, yes, it's potentially, it's obviously a good idea to have a monitor for your indoor air quality, but is it something I really need? That was most of the answers. And once the, we went through this horrible period of the wildfire, then the change was people were rushing in buying the monitor and no longer just to know what's going on, to read what's in the air, but also to control 
the air purifier, they also bought to filter the particles that were coming inside their dwelling. So it was just exacerbating the need. And that's where they understood that because it was so, so wild, so bad that they absolutely needed the device. What they still haven't got completely or fully is that we actually need it. It's a long-term process and reading and monitoring and taking care of filtering or purifying the indoor air quality. You have the emergency situation, and you have, but we all are living on a few decades at least. So, And for that, we are impacted by the continuous low level of pollution we have indoors. So uh, also funny is, so to say, that now we see that the smoke from the wildfires is spreading toward the East Coast. And so it's no longer just a topic in California. It's a topic in Midwest. It's a topic on the East Coast. It's pretty interesting, but hopefully people will still keep that in mind, that it's not just the emergency case. It's something that we should all take into account. To undertake this project where you say there were really no existing devices five years ago, what motivated you to do so? And maybe a little bit about your background, how you got to the point where you thought you could do something here. You can make a difference. If you really go back to the very beginning, the inception of the FUBA, it's almost like 14 years ago. Because at that time, my youngest kid was diagnosed as a kid with baby asthma. He was 18 months old. And I was really shocked, impressed by the asthma crisis. I knew asthma for teenagers, for adults, but not for baby. But at that time, couldn't find any affordable or technical solution to check what was check upon the reason why he would treat. So, what would trigger his crisis at home? And it's a little bit later. It's about yeah, six years later that started working because I was already working in the environment, but more as a consultant and nothing to do with devices, hardware parts. I discovered the Internet of Things, and one discovery really was what helped me connect the dots and decide on doing something was the very first personal scale you have in your bathroom that was connected, which people were laughing at it because they say, okay, who wants to tweet or put his her weight on Facebook? But what they discovered, even on a medical part, is that based on a daily monitoring of your weight, you can prevent the hardest and detect, so prevent the hardest or worst case diabetes. So you see, it's personal scale is really kind of a commodity. And by just adding these sensors, connecting them and looking at the trend, that's really the key word, looking at the trend, you can create a real added value to an existing product. You had mentioned worldwide health standards. You don't sound like you're from South Jersey. So (laughs) (laughs) can you tell a bit about uh, where you're located and maybe the development and how is this an international product? Is it being sold around the world? Yeah, it is an international product because we decided we wanted to, we took the startup way for Fubat. So originally I was based out in France, then moved a little bit up north in Luxembourg, very small country between three other countries, Germany, Belgium, and France. And that's where we started building the tech team. And by the way, we're mainly an engineering team. And we started with a crowdfunding campaign. And five years ago was really the boom of going on the market, directly addressing the end users. And that's how we started. And we got the first prototype sold in 22 countries in three weeks. And we started with that. US was then the first traction. 
where people are, it's a data-driven society. It's also a country where new business models are really interesting to work on. And so even if the tech team was, and it's still based in Luxembourg, I moved over to US and based in California and keep working on the future of Fubot. So it is truly an international team. And I know it's sort of the answer to this you showed a little bit, but can you talk a little bit about maybe to the data? You do pull data, you do analyze aggregate data. Is that true? Yes, we do that for different purposes. One of the purpose is to have Fubot be a tool for home performance contractors by monitoring on a few days or weeks time, the home performance contractors, they can then access a web-based portal or dashboard where the Fubot will report all the continuous reading of the different sensors. And home performance contractors are also then using different Fubot so that you have one on each floor, for instance, or one in the bedroom, one in the kitchen area. So they can base their diagnosis of the house based on the Fubot and other tools like the blower door test goes really well together. And then based on that, they can offer the improvement solution that would work best for the homeowners. And they also can use the same Fubot units to show the difference between the before and the after. That's really what is the beauty of the device. On top of that, by letting the Fubot run in any house, they can further upsell and keep increase this relationship they have with the homeowners. That's one way of using the data. The other way we also work on the data is to create algorithms that are of different types. Some of them are to be able to detect the pollution events and even work on recognizing the pollution event, like is it something due to cooking activities? Is it something due to cleaning activities or to air renewal inside or to human presence? Because we, as a human, we are producing pollutants also. And so all this algorithm, the goal for that is to help better understand the sources and also better understand how we can integrate that into HVAC system with ventilation, filtration, and purification. The goal of this data is to offer the ultimate on-demand or uh, ventilation, filtration, purification on autopilot mode. That's the goal. So starting from detecting and then creating and using this sensor array to provide the feedback loop of what's going on and how you've been able to improve it or to address the pollution there. So what interesting things have you learned from this data, this collection of data? Are remarkable. Some things that were surprised is that between basically worldwide, there are indoor air pollution anywhere you are. You can be in Sweden, where they have almost the best outdoor air quality. Indoors, we are sharing the same problem, whether you're in Pittsburgh or you're in San Diego or you're in Luxembourg or in Switzerland. It's about the same because it's about confinement of the pollutants indoor. Now, the difference between maybe Pittsburgh and Stockholm will be that the outdoor air will be less polluted in Stockholm. So renewing with a natural air would really make it easier than it would be potentially in Pittsburgh. And so we're sharing, it's a worldwide problem and status we are all kind of sharing and living 
if you take apart China and, and India, but it's for also different reasons. One of them being that in China, for instance, they have air purifiers in each and every room, but they also still smoke indoors. So obviously, it's a little bit hard to consider improving the indoor air quality unless you haven't changed some behaviors. You mentioned this pulling the data and providing as a tool for contractors. Do you have any contractor stories or contractor examples on how they use this to enhance their business? You talked a little bit about that, about leave it installed to provide that sort of continuous oversight of the environment, the air quality. Any other stories from contractors? We have some incredible stories. That was with one of our early adopter in terms of contractor with Nate Adams using that in a house where the couple living there was really desperate because he was ultra allergical and has like chemical, really chemical allergies that were really, really bad, but they couldn't figure out. So they were moving hardware pieces around, but they were not fixing the problem. And it's through the use of the FUBOT on each and every level that Nate was able to step by step and was baby step, but was able to reshape, restructure the indoor environment for these people. And FUBOT was not the main pieces, but just part was one piece of this puzzle of reshaping and improving the indoor environment. So it was discrete measurements with a tool easily collected, easily delivered, so you could spend more time on analysis and solution rather than collecting data and making guesses. Right. And also, it's what I call the low signal process. You have plenty of potential available low signal. If you put them together, then you have an interesting and very clear view of what's going on. Which leads me to also the one thing where FUBA should not be misunderstood with is when sometimes people say, okay, but isn't in that case FUBA a low cost or a cheap version of a lab or medical grade sensing what's indoors? And no, it is not. It's different in the sense of FUBOT is really good over time because FUBOT is focusing on the trend by continuously real-time monitoring what's going on. And a trend will never lie. When you see a trend, I mean, you can talk to any doctor or so, trends are really, it's one part of it. Now, we sometimes need to investigate deeper into some of the potential VOC sources, but at least the trend will help you build the remediation and the improvement of the house. When you design the product, you develop the product, you must test it against different standards and comparisons in order to give some kind of accuracy statement. And again, it's not a lab device, but just so people listening know that there is a quality to the measurement that can be utilized in the research, the measurements. Correct. And we've done that. So it's been now three years that FUBOT is on the market. So it's been also three years that we continuously work on the calibration, the drift process, because we have an important part of FUBOT is the software. So it's something we keep improving also. But we had a very interesting outcome from a study done by um, Berkeley Lab and of last year, and I think they published it in Q1 this year, where they had this request from the Department of Energy to answer the question, what's the value of these low-cost sensors, meaning anything below $200 on the retail price? And we came up among the very best one, the top-ranked one, though we were not using the ultimate 
sensor generation because we started almost five years ago. The difference was really the hard work we put on engineering the data. That's really what makes it different. One of the key words is for these monitors is the repeatability. It's not the accuracy of the reading at the very sharp time you do a reading, but it's how the process is reliable in this repeatability process because you're on a continuously reading process. Got it. So there's a nuance there to that. And I'm aware of a study, of a large study that you took part in, or at least donated monitors to, the Home Chem study. Do you want to talk about that? I'd love to, but it's still a bit early since they said they need like almost kind of a full year before they get all the results. Not from a standpoint of results, but the standpoint of the concept. So the audience understands that there is something going on here. It sounds like groundbreaking. Can you describe what's going on, not the results? The very most interesting part of it for me was that they would be focusing on chemicals, on VOCs. There's large global understanding that PM2.5 and PM1, they do impair your health. So people are convinced, studies have been delivered, medical impact have been proven. The problem is more today with the VOC, so all these chemical things in the air, very complex because interferences are really tricky among gases. And there's a real need for deeper studies, research on that part. And that's the ambitious goal of the home chem. I think it was with at least seven universities and many 15 researchers, a very like 4.5 million worth of sensors material were brought into a house, just a simple real standard house. And they've done activities and continuous real-time monitoring, focusing on the chemical to better understand not just the level at which we expose to chemicals, but also the interaction among chemicals. And truly said, I'm convinced the chemicals, so the VOCs, is the next big thing that will come up. We already know that, okay, two of them have been declared carcinogenic to human from WHO. It's the formaldehyde and the benzene, but there are thousands others, and we really need to look into that for the future of our health. And for people interested in learning more about home chem, there was actually a series of short videos that were done. And if you go to a link, bit.ly slash home, H-O-M-E, all uppercase, chem, C-H-E-M, lowercase, you can see the videos produced by Corbett and Grace Lunsford that describe a lot of the scientific experiments and give you a lot more background on what Jacques has mentioned here. But it was really the first study of its kind to look at chemistry in the indoor environment. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. And FUBAD was part of that in terms of side-by-side monitoring? The idea was not to benchmark, but it was to, okay, there's a, a study that will be really going deep down into granularity of chemicals. So it's an opportunity to have these monitors also present during the research. And then maybe we also, that could potentially also help us know more about the use of the sensors. Like we had this incredible opportunity through the Berkeley lab results where they found that the FUBOT was able to detect, and I'm, I insist on detect, not mm-hmm. measure, yeah. the ultra-fine particle from the cooking activities, which were not detected by two or $3,000 sensors. You see how that can be complementary to other systems. So I think it's, yeah, by putting together all this data, 
all this more and more available data. That's where we can build a common ground of knowledge and help then, because the goal would be then to turn that into a solution, not just a detection process, but a solution when you integrate that expertise into the HVAC for ventilation, filtration, purification, appliances and technology. That's the goal. Absolutely. I would say this is primarily it's a consumer product, although a lot of contractors use it in the situations you just described. Do you have any consumer stories or anecdotes that you could share? Do consumers talk back to you? Yeah, there are a few of them, actually. One of them was, and we got a little bit scared because that was not the intention, but an end user took the full butt to complain about the indoor air quality of his apartment and went to the landlord showing them, okay, you see the result, I mean, you see how polluted, whereas we don't know where. I think the landlord got a little bit scared and said, okay, but then if you want to leave, you're free to leave. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the latest story I can tell you is because I'm renting the house here in California, I was denied two previous houses. And you know why? Because when they asked me what I was doing, and I told them, okay, I did create a device which is monitoring, okay, I'm trying to work on improving the indoor air. Then they turn back and say, oh, oh. now, you know, um, it's going to be hard because, so finally, the house I have a lease for, I had to sign an addendum saying, I will not use the footpot monitors to cancel <laughs> the lease here. <laughs> you see it, I mean, I'm, I just make joke out of that because what I truly believe is that there's an added value in by augmenting the HVAC in each and every house and by triggering upon reading of the sensors and not by using it to control, to see, just show the bad stuff. It's really providing a better solution for homeowners. Yeah, I have an anecdote. This is back maybe almost 10 years ago. I wanted to look at indoor air quality in the school that my children were going to. And the principal's comment to me, the headmaster of the school was, do you think I have a stinky school here? What are you trying to do? Like em embarrassed that there even was the thought that, and my thought there was mainly measure carbon dioxide to see about air quality, ventilation, air, air freshness. But people get really touchy about the subject. I, that's interesting, these interesting stories. Yeah, and I bet in a few years from now, this will be something very common and will be fully integrated when you think at what's happening in the very near future about the smart home with a pre-installed system. I can bet that's also the future of football or the monitors that you will have no longer standalone devices. You will have sensors you deploy in the space you have in the kitchen hood you have in the bathroom, and they will trigger according to the reading and using the best technology to solve the potential pollution spike. And by doing that, you will also take advantage of energy saving overall. On a personal note, going back, how is your son doing? <laughs> well, he's doing pretty great. He's part of the American football team in the high school. But it was kind of a little bit mysterious. They had the hospital. They never found out exactly what was going on, and then it kind of disappeared. I mean, at least he hasn't had any further asthma crisis. So that was the good news on that part. But still, I think it's often the case where when you're facing a problem where you don't have the solution, it's just by asking yourself, why is that, that you start, you can start build a project. So how about 
the name for the product? Where did that come from? That's another story. Actually, the food bud comes from the food dog. And the food dogs are what you can find. It's kind of a lion, a seated lion you find at the entrance of the temple. You normally have a pair of food dogs, like those you have also at the entrance of Chinese restaurant. And this food dog, their mission related to Feng Shui, the Tao, the Chinese Tao, is to protect the good vibe home that you have. And so, because we're more into the robotic than the animal, we took the foo and the butt from robotics. So that's how we got the foo butt. Where would people find you if they wanted to learn more? Website, email, trade shows? Where do they learn more? The website is foobot.io, F-O-O-B-O-T dot I-O. We attend most of the HPC trade shows. Next one for us is in April in Chicago. We're also exhibiting at the HR trade show. That's a way of gathering, finding again, and with the IAQA organization. And we go to smaller conference. It's very interesting for us to meet with other home performance contractors. It could also be people working in the energy efficiency utility companies are also potential user or partner for the football technology. And sometimes even have workshops that are very interesting to have the professional discussing with us about how and what's the best way to use and how to integrate football in the business model. Is it misapplied? to put one outside? Well, it was not made for outside for different reasons. First, because I think it's already pretty complex to work on the inside air status. And second, because the pollutants are not always the same. For instance, you have more PM10, so larger particles outside, and more PM2.5 and PM1 inside. Also for the volatile compounds, chemicals, I mean, they just through the airflow, you don't have the confinement next to your house or apartment. So it's less of an interest. Sometimes we had people using it, but it's something we're getting into the dashboard to the dew point. So they were using full butt outside under the porch to get the outdoor temperature on a real-time basis and humidity also on a real-time basis. But no, you have and we have access to outdoor open source data for the pollution. So it's also, it's even part of the app. So we think it's better to stay focused on what we do best, um, the indoor air, um, the expertise on indoor air pollution. Yeah, so to make sure we describe the product, there's no display on it. It does have the LEDs that you mentioned that go from a kind of a vibrant orange to a calming blue, and all those are controllable, the intensity, even time frame on and off. So it's a very copacetic kind of product to use. It can fit in with your lifestyle. You also get a little bit sassy or funny. The bottom of the box says, do not look at my bottom. <laughs> so yeah. uh, you do have a sense of humor. I know that, and people out there should know that. You're very... Uh, Interesting guy, funny guy, fun guy to engage with, too. We try to have good time also at the same time that we work very hard on this topic with the microgram per cubic meters. <laughs> yeah. And I'm the owner of True Tech Tools, if people don't know that, in the podcast, and we do resell the product. We had a great experience reselling the product with to contractors and consumers alike. Great. Is there any other topic you'd like to talk about to cover? You start to touch on the future. Maybe we could come back around to that, your vision for the future and having the integration, I think, as uh, integrated devices you're talking about. Yes, I think that what will make most sense. These first, you have to monitor. First, you have to detect because you cannot improve something you cannot measure. That's obvious. 
then you need to, what people are expecting, what we all are expecting is to have a solution, not just to raise the problem of the indoor air status, but the solution. And that goes by integrating the data processing of the sensors with the different technology deployed and manufactured by uh, HVAC companies. That's really the idea. It's still interesting to see how we can educate, help people and raise awareness among this invisible topic and threat. But the real thing is down the road, kind of having FUBAT should disappear. And that's where the real success will be. That's the vision I have. FUBAT should be sensors that you deploy in the space, like you have smoke detector, you can have CO detector. I mean, you know it's there, but you don't need to face it. And then the added value will be that these sensors will be taking over, taking control over the different technology. Like I mentioned it, a kitchen hood should start automatically as soon as it detects VOCs or even humidity or combustion that is from the, even the same thing from the stove. It's very, it's very easy to detect that with the sensors. So we can really looking forward to have this additional layer of providing the solution. And then the end user will just have the good news, receiving the good news. There were a spike. Now it's done. You've been covered full, finished. Okay, that's it. Also, I think the the real future of the smart home, not adding pieces like hardware pieces into your daily living, but having that all fully integrated. And there are very interesting projects in that sense. And so that's probably where you spend a lot of your strategic thinking time and activities and meetings and things like that. So. Yeah. When I'm not dealing, or we all are dealing with daily jobs, but it's also keeping an eye on what's the future and how can we best contribute to the future. I started to ask you before if you had any kind of closing thoughts, anything that we left out of the conversation. The only thing is I keep being so passionate about that particular topic. I had no idea it would be so complex <laughs> in terms of the chemicals. It's not like the dry contacts, it's on, off, that's it. No, there were some very interesting interviews from the home chem team also about that. But it's really, it's amazing how this IoT concept is going to help us all in the future. So I'm very excited about that. Good. And in IoT's Internet of Things, in case anyone out there is not familiar, you gave me a little lesson on the first IoT product, which you mentioned earlier, which is the bathroom scale in 2008. Yeah. And then the sort of the most pervasive one that's come out is the Nest thermostat, now owned by Google in around 2011. And now there's a lot of follow-on products in that space that are operating is in the Internet of Things, including refrigerators and all kinds of things. Yes. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Like I said, it's been a long time in the making. You're a great person to work with. I call you a friend too, because you have a lot of good conversations and you're a really nice person. <laughs> Thank you. Love so much to share. And it's so, it's, I'm so happy when I have people like you also who really love to share and discuss so many different topics. Thank you for coming on today. My pleasure. And we'll get this out there to the public to listen to and get you some feedback. You did have your website address out there. Is there like a contact form in there in case somebody has a specific question? Oh, yeah. There's many different contact form. Whichever you use, we'll get back to you. Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming on the Building HVAC Science Podcast, Jacques, and look forward to seeing you in the near future. Thank you, Bill. Take care, everyone.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast and got to hear some interesting things about indoor air quality from Jacques Toulon. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor of the Building HVAC Science Podcast, please email me at bill at bluecollarroots.com. And that's also a network which I'm a part of, the Blue Collar Roots Network. There are four shows total in the Blue Collar Roots Network. You go to bluecollarroots.com, you can find out about them. If you're looking for some of the tools or test instruments we mentioned sometimes in the podcast, including the FUBOT, which we talked about today, um, full disclosure, I'm one of the owners of True Tech Tools, and we do sell that product. So that's www.truetechtools.com. And if you use the offer code HVACBS, that's the name of my podcast, I guess, you get a nice discount. So I want to thank you for listening, and let's close with a quote that's related to the Internet of Things. And this is by Nicholas Negroponte. When we talk about the Internet of Things, it's not just putting RFID tags on some dumb things so smart people can know where that dumb thing is. It's about embedding intelligence so things become smarter and do more than they were proposed to do. I think that's exactly the path that Chuck is on here. So hope you enjoyed the episode and you subscribe, like, listen, follow us on Facebook, Building HVAC Science. We look forward to having you back again to listen to more of the Building HVAC Science podcast.